Hey everyone, you're listening to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good buddies, Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. These guys debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of many topics. And this week's topic is drumroll. Oh my god! That's the that drum rolled off the stage. <laughs> the Mount Rushmore of the songs of songs that changed your life, Richard. Uh, I know you're a music uh, fan. Uh, why did you choose it like this? Um, I I'm not a hundred percent certain why exactly. I just I think I wanted to find out. I'm I'm curious. I'm always interested to find out how songs kind of impact people. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that all my songs come from a very much. Well, for the most part, junior high or high school, oh, cool. maybe a little bit into college, because I think that's, for me, that's the age when music meant the most to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's when music was like my life. Yeah. And so much of who I was and, and who I identified as was wrapped up in my taste in music and what music I listened to. Mm-hmm. So it was very integral to who I was. And I think that that allows certain songs to sort of sneak into your work, your kind of life in a way that maybe doesn't happen when you're an adult because you've got so much other shit going on. It's yeah. kind of hard for a song to break through that, you know? Mm-hmm. Ah, I had, um, when I was putting together my list, I almost had the opposite. There's only one song from like growing up from before college that really kind of, um, stuck to me as a song that felt important or it felt like it like marked a time in um in high school the rest were like these even post-college years so it, i think it will be interesting to have this um this talk to see what what was what was the aspect or what was the feeling that you felt like it changed your life or marked it for me a lot of them kind of marked a change in my life rather than changed my life and i don't know how to it was hard for me to kind of um, yeah, music when your life split, changed. Yeah, kind of split that difference because I don't know. I wasn't sure if there was a song that I was like, I heard this song, so I must X Y Z. I know that that Richard, you tend to be a little bit more um, musical in nature, having studied music, having played music, having kind of written music and stuff. So maybe there's an aspect of music actually, um, f- I don't know, physically affecting you, but doing something like that. But I, it'll be interesting to get into it. Oh, cool. Yeah. You know what? The topic isn't the painting that changed my life or the ballet that changed my life. So it's uh, fascinating for me to examine how music uh, uh, shortcuts um, some of our logic centers and gets to that emotional place or that to uh, that pushes that button that can transform us. And maybe we can uh, give some examples as we go along. So Richard chose it. Michael starts. Okay. So mine were in, I, I, have my list in chronological order of, uh, I guess, importance in life. And so the, the first one is a song called Leash by Pearl Jam from the album Verses from 1993. And a snapshot of me at that age, I was um, 14, 15 years old, um, really starting to get into um, comic books. I I don't think I quite had a... Um, a weekend job then I might've been a little too young for that, but I was, I was spending a lot of time um, reading comics, a lot of time being like kind of probably unnecessarily angry as we all are at <laughs> 14, 15. I don't remember who I was angry at, but I remember that I would strap on the disc man, put on my little headphones, clip them to these giant green shorts that I had and get on my rollerblades and I would just go like rollerblading just to like get out energy. I mean, I ended up. <laughs> did you do any rad? I, did you do any rad moves? <laughs> I was, I was not um, part of the you know the radical asphalt capital of the country or anything like that. Uh, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do any. I couldn't skate backwards or anything. I just basically I skated angrily down the street to Pearl Jam's Leash, which is just a song that just like. I think it might be either the last song or the second to last song on the album. And it's just, you know, like Eddie Vedder screaming through it. Like, uh, well, we'll play a clip from the song. I don't know why the extended pause, but. And <laughs> <Nice>. then, <laughs> and then um, 
you know, I would be like skating angrily down like the sidewalks of like Studio City, which is like the nicest neighborhood in the uh-huh. valley, down to Ventura Boulevard and skating down Ventura Boulevard to, you know, get ice cream at Baskin Robbins and like, and rent anime like Bubblegum Crisis and uh, Appleseed and Tank Police and just like, you know, Akira. I, I would go to rent anime, get a pint of gold medal ribbon ice cream and uh-huh. then angrily skate home. But like, I can't, <laughs> and then, you know, eat an entire pint of ice cream and, and, and watch Akira and like, feel like, uh, I don't know, less, le- you know, whenever you, you eat a pint of ice cream or, you know, whatever, you feel a little less, less angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The lactose like, just seeps in the, the general, the, the moods, uh, softeners that are part of lactose. But, but whenever I hear the song, it's when this takes me immediately back to wearing like a giant shirt with venom on it from Marvel comics and like my hair a little bit longer and giant green shorts and rollerblades with neat wheels that need to be changed or rotated and <laughs> no brakes on them and just like not wearing the proper like uh, wrist guard protection or, yeah. and hanging just because there's no time for that you got you just angrily skate to pearl jam and it's just uh-huh. like oh, and then eat ice cream so what what was the transformation that took place what was the change um i don't know i think it just i think it let me feel like a sense of freedom or something like that. There was something oh. that uh, it's, it's one of those things that like it gets it out of you. Oh yeah. And at some point around that time, I remember I was like, you know, I was a teenager and I was angry at my stepdad for, I was never angry at my dad or my mom. My parents split when I was like 10 or 11, but I was angry at my stepdad. And at some point I just decided, oh, well, I'm not going to be angry anymore. And I don't know if I've really been angry since in that same sort of teenage way. I just kind of adopted like a, oh, everything's going to be okay. And uh, I I don't know, maybe it's all jumbled together, but I think that Uh there's something about about that song in particular that represents like, oh, well, this song can be mad for me. There you go. Wow. That's That's a cool snapshot. It also seems like you're in a James Spader teen movie or something like that, or like you're, you're a character in a, John Hughes thing or something or like Crispin no who, hmm. who's the other guy not Crispin Glover um John uh, Cryer John Cryer could maybe play you <laughs> as his character slam my fist against the wall as Molly Ringwald when yeah uh have you guys heard that uh podcast I forget where he tells a story where uh, um um the um uh, run DMC rapper <laughs> Daryl DMC McDaniels uh, was on tour in Japan feeling uh, very suicidal, legit suicidal. No, not this is not joking, suicidal. And he hears the song Angel by Sarah McLaughlin in a cab and becomes obsessed with that song and listens to it on repeat to keep him feeling calm and serene. And it prevents mm-hmm. him from committing suicide. <laughs> kind of un- unexpected. I thought that song was just for dogs. Yeah, I thought it was just for, for pennies a day. <laughs> no, that's the song. The, the, the song Just for Dogs is Leash by Pearl oh, Leash. There Pearl. we go. <laughs> Man, Freddie, what's your first choice? All right, I, I'll go chronologically as well for the most part. And uh, my first one is uh, Devo's cover of the Rolling Stones' Satisfaction. Oh, awesome. Um, I, I remember first coming into contact with this at my cousin's house, actually, for whatever, for some reason that his whole, that whole, his whole family were really into Devo when I was like six or seven. And I remember them watching this music video. And if you haven't seen the music video, it's, it's weird in the same way that every Devo video is weird. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's got Boogie Boy sticking a, a fork into a toaster it's got, you know, some, this punk rock kid, like having these herky jerky flopping on the floor, dance moves mm-hmm. and just all kinds of weird stuff is happening. And Devo's up there with their like homemade guitars. And it just, everything about it was off. Yeah. Like they're, it's only satisfaction because the lyrics are the same. Like there's no, the melody is, is different, 
the the lead line oh, dun, 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 that's not in there until the very end mm-hmm. it's such a weird just everything about it like i said it's just a little bit off and i think that was the first time that i started to realize oh music doesn't have to be just very nice and simple and and just pleasant pleasant melodies and everything like yeah. that but music can be weird and weird is good and yeah. i think that kind of stuck with me obviously for the mm-hmm. rest of my life mm-hmm. i think off mic we were talking about the jam and and there was there's a great doc with uh young people who discovered jam when they were a current band and then and then uh sorry when they were young people but they are now adults uh and then other other people but the i think the jam helped teach them that they could find an anti-authority posture but not be punks or there was there was a way to kind of uh rebel or there's a way to be alternative even if you weren't a punk and for me devo was definitely that like they were weird they yeah they were they weren't cool yeah yeah for sure that was yeah. that was very much part of their appeal was if you were you know a nerd or someone like that which i absolutely 100 percent was when i was six and seven yeah um you know they were nerds but they were still up there making music on stage every night and being cool ass rock stars even though oh, they yeah. were dorks so yeah. there was something about that that I, I i assume was probably appealing to my wee brain mm-hmm. and the change what was it like what after this you uh you're different how well i think i just i think you know musically i started to explore more stuff um and i think it helped me maybe even in in a in a very small level get a little bit more comfortable in my skin cool so yeah did it like uh when they also did uh working in a coal mine right and i remember thinking oh uh you know uh thinking oh my god this maybe the original song is kind of cool because it's cover and it made me stop and think well maybe there's something uh, when I look at those lyrics, I didn't realize that that's what the Rolling Stones were singing about. This band that had been part of the music establishment for so long, that was my parents' group, that right. uh, um, it's about a person who can't connect with popular um, you know, culture or whatever. So I remember thinking, yes, they were kind of cool and new and this cool thing, but hey, maybe this band, the Rolling Stones, was actually cooler than I cooler than I thought. All I knew they were cool. So, right right they're yeah. they're kind of in the air the same way the beatles are always yeah. like you can't imagine they're not a world without the beatles yeah and they're the same with the rolling stones yeah it's almost like with the beatles it's almost like if you ask um do you like somebody's writing well it's almost like they wrote the alphabet <laughs> so you feel like well, yeah, right part of it. yeah they use the alphabet richard have you um have you heard of the podcast abc devo no i have not uh, one of the guys from uh, Star Wars Minute, one of my favorite podcasts, Pete the Retailer, um, he and a couple of his friends go through every um, Devo song from A to alphabetically from A to Z. I don't yeah. know the names of all of the um, Devo songs, but I, I guarantee they've they've covered Satisfaction. Um, are they already I, are, are they already past the S's? Oh, they're done with it. They've done. <laughs> oh. They've done. They've done the catalog of, uh, I'm pretty sure they're, they've done with it, but, um, you know, check it out. I will. That's a, a little, good recommendation. Little, little plug for, um, you know, some guys doing work. There's some things. Uh, Winfield, your second. Uh, my next song uh, is called The New Year by Death Cab for Cutie from 2003. Um, this is a song in a band that... Um, just from the opening uh, first kind of guitar of it and the first uh, lyrics kind of just blows into you uh, just so sonically that you're just so like walloped by it. And it's great uh, on headphones, it's great through speakers and it's even even more great uh, in person. And the reason I bring this up is um, I saw them for the first time in Seattle in like 2002, I had just moved to Seattle and I wasn't a big 
concert person. I, I was looking just now through the list of, I, you know, I have like a, a list of concerts that I've ever been to with set lists and dates and all that stuff. And before um, seeing them in concert in uh, 2003, I had been to like six shows altogether throughout all of my teens and all of my college years. Um, a couple of them were kind of like big uh, concerts like uh, like a Lollapalooza when I was like 15, 16, or like Bumbershoot in um, Seattle, just kind of like those kind of big festival-y type things. But I'd never been one to go to concerts. I don't know if I was more of a homebody or just more um, not really comfortable um, around crowds, um, but I fell in love with Death Cab for Cutie um, just listening to them uh, on a CD and then uh, saw them play in concert and was like, oh, wow. I, I didn't know what, I didn't know that what I heard like on the CD is so different and so vibrant live. Like they're such a different band. Like mm. they sound, uh, their live performance, it is just so thunderous and energetic. And when this song, came on when they were playing in the early days um it might even been before the cd was released it was just like oh my oh my gosh i need to see more live music i need to go see more live bands i need to go see this band four or five times in the next year i need to go experience music live more often and more of it and ever since then and because of i think because of this song because it hit me so like just viscerally was like, Oh God, other music can be like this too. Other oh, bands, cool. other live music can be like this. And I, that was something that I didn't really experience as a teenager. And it was just like something that like, uh, now I'm 22 years old, 23 and I can afford 15 bucks for a show. And I can afford to go, especially living in Seattle at the time, I can afford to go down into the downtown and see, all these bands that come through here and it's just like, Oh, this is amazing. And I just, you know, since then I've been to dozens and dozens and dozens of concerts mm -hmm. and it's just like, Oh, because of this one song, it's this one band who is so different. I think is, I think what had happened, it was just such a stark contrast. It was, this band is so different on the CD than it was live. And it was like, Oh, what else am I missing? Oh, it's cool. So you, the change was Michael sees more live music, more live music, or just let you, and also ex the experience of live music is so different than the experience. Cause I think the experience of listening to music is usually pretty singular. And when you're amongst a crowd of people, you kind of, it, you kind of vibe off of them and you kind of experience a different energy and that I just really hadn't taken yeah. in before. It was just like, Oh, this is, it was just one of those things like, I, I need to do this more. Oh, that's super cool. Uh, Manfredi. Oh, no, it's break. It's break time. No, 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 no. no. It's my second one. Eh, You're on correct. Break. Okay, you go ahead. We'll go on break. Okay, that's fine. I'll just talk to myself, which I'm kind of <laughs> used to at this point. <laughs> what do you got? All right. My second choice is Blitzkrieg Bop by the Ramones. Oh, fun. Um, and the, for, I chose this one because this was the first rock song that I learned how to play from start to finish on my bass. Nice when I was probably 12 years old, I want to say. Um, and the Ramones were always kind of around. My brother was a big fan. So as we've talked about on the show, I kind of picked up a lot of my musical uh, taste from him. And he actually had played bass in a punk band for when he was like in high school. So that's why I started playing bass mm -hmm. was because it was the instrument that was just happened to be laying around. And you know, I, you being inexperienced with it and trying to figure out stuff for yourself, you know, picking up a, a Rush song is not going to work yeah. <laughs> to try to learn bass. Got some Stanley Clark albums. If you want. Yeah, yeah, Jocko Pastorius <laughs> or something like that. Um, but a Ramon song that basically has three chords if you're lucky and the bass is just playing straight eighth notes the entire mm -hmm. time is something that even a 12 year old can figure out. And uh, flash forward a couple of years, uh, freshman year of high school, 
I have uh, won the job as the bass player for our school jazz band. Nice. And um, I set up for the first, literally the first rehearsal um, with the drummers who were all a couple years older than me and, and like super cool kind of rocker guys. And as a warm up, I just start playing the Blitzkrieg Bop bass line. And the drummer kind of perks up and starts playing along with it. And we go for about 30 seconds before our music teacher tells us to cut out that racket. <laughs> but, I love it. But it was, it kind of served as a way for me to connect with these other guys in the band who I wound up, all three of them, the drummers that we had, wound up becoming really close friends with and some of my best friends through high school. So that's why I chose that one. That's super cool. Uh, jazz band at your high school was uh, was there a bald guy, uh, stern taskmaster who, uh, if you weren't playing to his tempo, would get angry at you or anything like did that? He also, did he also, he also demand? Did he also demand to bring pictures of Spider Man? Spider Man. Just gonna say, <laughs> Parker, not my temple, Parker. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a bunch of dummies. <laughs> Uh, so the transformation was it kind of ushered you into a new friend group and that, eventually yeah. yeah yeah i mean i think the, the initial transformation was just it taught me how to play bass yeah and once you learn how to play one song then you kind of figure out another song and then you start to figure out oh okay so the chord change usually goes from like a to d to e you know the labamba yeah. chord, chord changes and you start to hear those patterns and other songs and then it's easier mm -hmm. for you to pick up how to play songs and it all came down to for me starting off at literally about as much of square one as you could possibly have music musically yeah the ramones and is it there was a doc about the ramones where they they trace their path across the u.s in their first tour and everywhere they went somebody started a band pretty much you know so that's oh yeah i mean i mean yeah it's pretty much uh i always found it was interesting that uh the dd ramon who was the bass player on that was originally the lead singer but he could not the reason the reason joey ramon, joey uh became the lead singer was because uh dd couldn't play bass and sing at the same time how do you like that was just too oh, much wow. for him uh so get, the, was get, the, the, get the gargoyle on stage i felt like dd among a group of eccentrics was maybe the weirdest one in the end <laughs> just kind of a bizarre personality didn't he have yeah, the hip-hop no. he cut a rap album or something DD as dd king. king yeah <laughs> and it's awful yeah please please listen to the uh bizarre albums about that one it's a <laughs> particularly particularly good one um are you guys um you guys are both uh uh aficionados is there a good um documentary or a good book about the ramones because that because the ramones are always this band that i'd love to hear but like they've always just kind of existed on the peripheral of things that i've liked every time i i i've I can't say I put I've ever put on a full Ramones album. I mean, it would take me nine and a half minutes to listen to a full Ramones album. But right, um, I don't know. I would like to know more. Is there a good like Ramones biography or autobiography, or is there a good like good Ramones doc that I should check out? The end of yeah. the century. End of the. I was just gonna say end of the century. Yeah. Okay. Writing that down. And if you go to Hot Topic, the shirts are everywhere. Uh, H A U T E. <laughs> hot <Yeah>. topic. <laughs> is it still around? <laughs> I think I mean, oh yeah, it definitely is. Okay. So trust me, the the wannabe goth kids who are thirteen years old still they still, still love Jack Skellington. <laughs> still getting the Jack Skellington, and, and somehow still their Morrissey t-shirts. Oh. <laughs> the, 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 thankfully, the, the Marilyn Manson stuff is fading away, but um, Jack Skellington's forever. Okay, we are at our halftime at this point. I'm going to implore you to, hey, you know, follow those podcasts that we talked about. The uh, ABC Devo, what was it? Michael Winfield? There was a ABC Devo. Uh, Devo. ABC Devo. Yeah. ABC Devo. Sounds like a cool podcast. And uh, okay, what was the other one we were just talking about? We are just talking about Bizarre, Bizarre albums. albums. Bizarre Albums. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, him. He's, he's Tony. Tony. Um, 
Thaxton. Tony Thaxton, he's part of the Star Wars Minute universe too. Tony and the Thaxtons has done music for Oh, that's cool. Star Wars Minute and all those guys, yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of great podcasts to explore, but uh, we have a lot of great podcasts in our catalog that you can explore. Go back and listen, uh, download, rate, and review. We've probably talked about all the things uh, we talked about tonight in previous podcasts or mentioned them or in another iteration and analyzed them from a different perspective. Um, so if you like what we talked about tonight, um, you know, there's more of this in our catalog, and uh, we would love to be encouraged by you. Your opinions mean much to us. So were you to go back and leave a review anywhere you get podcasts, you can write down what you think about them. We'd love that information. And then you could also get in a conversation with us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And coming soon, TikTok, we were to dance our podcast uh, every week. I haven't told the guys. Oh, yeah. Really? We're going to dance. It's happening. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, right now, Jeff Hopkins is going to go through his top two. Ooh, and the ooh, first ooh, two that I have Jeff, on my list. Jeff Cast. Jeff Cast <laughs> are two songs that I heard first while I was unconscious. So these songs had a huge impact on me because I was sleeping when I heard the first part of them. Uh, on my clock radio was it i got you babe and then you I were stuck it. in the same day <laughs> for a thousand years oh God, I, feel, I feel like that's my life stuck in a thousand <laughs> years that's his podcast oh my goodness um uh don mclean starry starry night somehow i'd heard um the day the music died a hundred million times and before i heard starry starry night and then i heard it literally while i was kind of asleep and then my clock radio turned on when that song started or something. So I was in a very receptive mood between sleep and wake when I heard it and then realized, oh, is this is a song about a painter. Hey, that's cool. You can write popular entertainment about stuff that's a little bit um, esoteric and, and communicates emotions and, and conflicted emotions too. Uh, this uh, gentleman, Vincent, didn't have such a... Um, uh, a life that didn't dwell in uh, recognition, but I had a lot of pain. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And then a lot uh, of people don't know that the, um, the theme song to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, yes, it's about four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but it's really about <laughs> these four Renaissance painters. So if you really yeah. listen to the music, it does oh, talk about true. how Michelangelo is a party dude, but the party dude yeah. was Michelangelo the painter. It wasn't. Oh. Michelangelo oh. the turtle, which a lot of people think, you know. You so. thought it was about the main characters in the show you're about to see. Next, that's right. Next time, next time you listen to that song when it comes on the radio, uh, when you're half asleep, uh, Jeff. Yeah. Think about think about the further implications of um, uh, what Raphael is doing and how oh, yeah. Donatello is a I scientist. Thought, I thought John Lennon was talking about politics in Britain, but he was talking about um, Charles Manson when he's saying helter skelter. <laughs> Really? He was talking about Voltron. He was talking about Voltron. Voltron. That's oh, different. Oh, okay. okay. Totally uh, different. And uh, other one? everybody wants to rule the world. Uh, mm -hmm. Tears for fears. And that song came on when I was asleep. <laughs> I woke up sitting on the take an afternoon nap in front of Martha Quinn. And then uh, I doze off and come up to that song. So um, those songs changed my life in that I went from sleeping they changed me from being asleep to awake. <laughs> a, a bigger change you cannot, you cannot no. imagine. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that kind of change you don't get except daily. All right. So, uh, Michael Winfield, what's your third choice? Okay, my third song uh, is a song called... Hold on, let me get the full title pulled up. It's called One uh, by U2. It's called Pomp and Circumstance. One love. By the, by the song, time the song was over... I, my parents kicked me out of the house. Uh, the song is Pump and Circumstance, the <laughs> the song that uh, introduces the Macho Man Randy Savage into <laughs> the wrestling ring. <laughs> what an asshole. How great is that guy? Uh, rest in peace, Macho Man. No, uh, the song is Neighborhood Number 3, in parentheses, Power Out by the Arcade Fire from the album Funeral. Now, this is a song that came out in 2004, and I first heard it sometime in 2005. I had a friend who I was in 
old buddy with um, on like from a few years before, not an old buddy, like a two, three years before uh, when we were like pals on the real ultimate power ninja forum. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he was in Canada and we were like emailing back and forth and he's like, Oh, oh you had a you friend, in? you had a friend in Canada. I'm I had a friend. Sure. His name, his name is Kevin, not Calvin, Kevin, which is Kevin? how you know it's Kevin, which is how you know it's Canadian because yeah. it's just fucked up. It's almost normal, but not quite. But my friend Kevin, he's he said, "Oh, you have to check out this band, Arcade Fire." So like, okay. And I really, I really like this album a lot. Uh, flash forward uh, like six or eight months into the year, maybe September, October, and uh, my relationship with like uh, my first wife had fallen apart, and I was uh, listening to this album like over and over on repeat. I don't know if it was just because the title of the album was Funeral or if I just love the music, but I have such distinct driving through the hills of Laurel Canyon, driving like over Laurel Canyon to go like commiserate with my best friend, Julie, um, who lived in LA, who lived in like city side and just listening to the song. It almost has a Pearl Jam leash sort of driving quality to it where I just needed to drive and get out and be anywhere else but home. And this song just reminds me of like this very volatile time. And it just, it was one of those things that I needed to listen to this. I needed something to propel me out of like this, like devastated emotional state. And it was, it helped me. It was one of those things that like changed me. It helped me get out and move. It helped me not be sitting around and depressed on a Sunday as I was for so many, so many Sundays. And like, I don't, music is just one of those things I think is one of those, um, you know, kind of condensed propellants that just, you don't know when it's going to hit, but it's, you know, you got to hit the Nas in your, (laughs) your, (laughs) Yeah. To, to, yeah. 2000, 2002, uh, 2001 <laughs> Honda, Honda, Honda Civic, <laughs> literally, and get out and drive the same way they used to need to get out and drive to, um, or get out and rollerblade to Pearl Jam, which just had transferred over in a certain way. And I think that, I don't know, there's, uh, th- I think there are just certain songs that just like, I, I cannot think of that song and not think of like this, like emotional destructive mm-hmm. time in my life that was like oh this is what got me out of the house this is I, I had to just this is what uh got me to move and got me to do something different that wasn't that wasn't yeah. you know being stagnant oh that's cool kind of rescued you because uh, you could have been uh could have been in a, in a worse place yeah for sure and like i definitely was in a worse place for for a lot of it you know i was sitting yeah. at home watching uh, dvds of home movies that yeah. brendan small show over and over uh much to um you know it's a great show but like you know it's depressing when you're 25 and yeah. sunday morning it's at eight o'clock and you're like uh i guess i'm gonna put on another c lab 2021 <laughs> do you wonder if the is there a chicken egg thing um mm. sometimes i wonder it's could it have been any song? And like some, there's times when I listen to that song and I go, why? I don't know if I even, I don't know why it's this song, but. That's a good, I don't know. But yeah, uh, I got to think about that for a second. It's the song that I felt I needed to play like at a very specific moment of driving. Once you kind of crest over Mulholland Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're driving down into the city. Yeah, I've it heard Don like Henley. Always... I've heard Don Henley songs. <laughs> it was always it was the song that I needed to play in those moments. Uh-huh. It was like, uh, it was just angry enough. It was just emotional enough, but like not emotional enough for me to like, uh, make a right turn when I should have made a left turn around the hill. And yeah, you drive into the mountain or whatever. It was just like, okay, this is going to propel me to the right place to. Mm-hmm. whatever you know yeah 
It was a Dan Wilson uh, co-writing um, um, Adele songs. And God, what is, is that Adele? What is the Adele song? That, that, there was an SNL sketch about the pretty putting on this Adele song, Just to Cry. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it seems like there's something. Dan Wilson is a very studied um, composer. And he works instinctively, but also he kind of knows, I think, how to write for people and, and how uh, music can kind of come underneath how to create to reuse an analogy how to create music as the setting and put the singer as the gem inside that setting and to to buoy them and that song i think must have some scientific <laughs> formula for making people burst into tears because there's been times when i i needed a good good just like toad toad choker sobbing crying thing <laughs> And there's songs like, like oh, there's a whole Matthew Sweet 100% Fun uh, album when I was going through a divorce that I would just listen to on repeat and then found his other music. And boy, that was music to cry to. Whew. All right. You okay there, Jeff? Yeah, sorry. It's fine. I, it's good. I, I made it okay. about me. I like to take your thing and make it about me. Okay. Uh, that's what you're here for, Jeff. That's what I'm here for. That's why we have you. All right. I'll cut all the stuff out of the edit. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Richard, what do you got? All right. So my third choice is the song Dear God by X. Oh, yes. Awesome. Um, you know, a song that I heard when I was about 13 um, and was about a time when I was starting to realize this whole religion thing seemed like a crock. Yeah. Um, my family was not very religious to begin with. Um, I have vague memories of us going to church like once a year, maybe, mm -hmm. if that. Uh, my dad's mom, who was from Mexico and was a devout Catholic, um, was certainly a lot a lot more stronger religiously, but my actual mom and dad just ne never really clicked. Um, and I think listening to that, that, that song and watching the music video kind of changed me because it reinforced like, wait a second, this religion thing may not be good. Yeah. Not only is it not something that I don't personally buy into, but it may actually be harmful. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the first song when I, or that I remember hearing talk about social political ramifications, not just personal. Yeah. 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 Um, and now, do I think that it's a great song on its own? I don't. You know, looking back on it now, I, I think it's probably, honestly, one of the weaker songs on mm -hmm. that whole Skylark Skylarking album. And it wasn't even originally on the album in the first place. It was only, it was a B-side, mm -hmm. and everyone started playing the B-side instead of the A-side, so they had to rush to mm -hmm. get the song back on the album. And so even Andy Partridge, lead singer and songwriter, it's basically yeah. said, yeah, it's not, not one of my favorite songs. I don't think I did a really great job with it. The subject was too big. Mm -hmm. um, but oh. for me, for me being, you know, 12, 13 years old and listening to this, it, it felt like, yeah, this guy gets it. Yeah. 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 You know, that, that song I think is addresses big issues in a way that, you can kind of understand after you took a bong hit, like, like, mm -hmm. whereas other things that examine the deeper philosophical issues are just too, it's too dense almost. But I think that song is almost like the matrix films in that it's kind of like stoner version of philosophy, you know, but, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, is that a, is that a Todd or a Trevor? I think that's just Trevor Horn did some of their stuff too, but I thought that was a Todd Rundgren. That's Todd Rundgren, yeah. Okay, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, did you see it? Did you hear it first, or did you see the video? Because uh, I think I, I saw. I think I saw the video first. If I okay. if I think back on it, because I was watching a lot of MTV back when I was like in seventh eighth grade. Yeah, a lot of MTV. So I'm I'm pretty positive. I'm put it this way. I don't think I don't think that song made its way to the radio in in Fresno. Yeah, in 1987, 88, but it certainly made its way onto MTV. Yeah. Uh, it's a girl singing the, at the beginning, yeah. The beginning, the, the yeah. little kid part, yeah. It's a, it's a, a, a girl kid, a girl kid. I, I think, in the what even would lead me to question is there because then there was like a they cast a boy in the video, yeah. Uh, and so afterwards, did you uh, um, ditch your plans? I burned, for the down, some, I, 
I burned down some churches. <laughs> you know, sorry, you know, your usual stuff. Because when Mark Goodman <laughs> plays a song and says, okay, here's this song coming up next from XTC. This is 120 minutes. That's going to make you go burn down a church. Oh. <laughs> All right. After this song, there's a clearer cell commercial. Then after that commercial, go, go burn, burn down, down the church. Go burn down a church. Well, that's a fun one. That's a fun one. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, what do you got, Winfield? Uh, my final choice is the Hammer song, Too Legit to Quit, that proved to me that, no, of, course, of, course, of course, get out of here. <laughs> it showed me that my, heart, Falcons, my heart, my heart, my heart was too legit, too legit, too. And quit. your pants were too tight. You needed billier, billier, billiery pants. More billowiness in my life would be. Uh, better. Uh, my final choice is a song called um, I Saw Her at the Anti-War Demonstration by um, Swedish indie pop uh, singer Jens Lekman. Um, and we've lost everybody from that's been listening to this point. But, <laughs> uh, hang in there, everybody. Um, Jens Lekman is this wonderful, beautiful, um, shaved head, bald, really super skinny, Swedish guy who is just so sweet and wonderful and pure. Um, but um, I was first introduced to him um, kind of accidentally by my friend, Julie, the aforementioned Julie, um, who uh, made me like a mixed CD, but it wasn't like a mixed tape. It was just somebody gave her a mixed CD with like a hundred different songs on it. It was like an MP3 CD. And she kind of just passed along my way and I downloaded it to my computer and just had like a hundred new songs. And a lot of them, I don't really remember. A lot of them are just kind of like weird, cool songs. And this was probably right around 2006, 2007, maybe 2008, something like that. And it's just music that just kind of like floated around my hard drive and would come onto my iPod every now and then because at that point, you just kept all your music on your iPod and on your computer and you just had it with you and you just listened to things. Well, this song, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to until um, like 2009 or so. And this song really started to play a lot more. I don't know if I just um, played it more, if it just started um, seeming more important um, because of my now current wife my future wife, my forever wife, Emily. And in this song, there's this very, this very sweet lyric um, where he says, uh, 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 with love enough to feed family, I just want to feed Emily with lukewarm English beer and vegan pancakes. And <laughs> this is just this song that I have forever linked uh, with my darling Emily. It is just so in, ingrained. This song comes on and it is just like, oh, this is the sweetest, most perfect, most wonderful song that I can't hear without thinking of her. And I don't know if these are, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about are, you know, the subject was songs that change your lives, but these are more like just songs that are integrated into like these moments of our yeah. lives and I remember playing these moments of playing like this song and this artist for Emily and it's just like oh we are just like joined at the hip now forever mm -hmm. because of this guy's music ah that's so cool and it's, and it's weird because like I don't know I don't have I've never had that I've never had like that um it's he's such a very specific non- if someone's song, like Richard, you joked earlier, if someone's song was like one by you two, you would be like, okay. All right. <laughs> right. There's, nope. there's something, and maybe it's, there's like a, a slight kind of like, you know, that kind of indie rock snobbery niche about it. Maybe it's, he's so, he's so like low key and low on the totem pole that like, uh, there's a little uniqueness about it, but, you know, if your favorite song as a couple is like, you choose one, you're just like, yeah, oh, maybe 
listen to different music. Well, maybe. also, also, maybe that shows yeah. that you're not actually listening to the lyrics. If you think, yes. yeah. if you think one right. is a is a romantic song, right? I know Bono has has talked about, and it, it's the same thing with Sting talking about every breath you take. They both mm-hmm. independently talked about hearing about people coming up to them going like, "Yeah, we played that song. It was our first dance at our wedding," and just thinking to themselves. What are you doing? Did you like, did you listen to the song? It's it's all the um, Republicans who are like, yeah, born in the USA. And it's like, yeah, he kind of hates. He, he's mm-hmm. got this is an anti-government song, and yeah. But this song for it just the the lyrics are sweet. It, it's about finding someone, um, and it's about kind of um, uh, I don't know, shedding your past and uh, going forward. So. That's super uh, sweet. Yeah, I, but I wouldn't have. Gotten, I wouldn't have gotten it. Like I, I would have never. I think what is amazing through some of this is, like, just happenstance. I think sometimes music just finds you, um, accidentally. Um, whether it's someone just accidentally playing a song for you, and you hear it, and you keep, you know, you kind of um, clue into it. Like I'll never not forget, and I told my sister this over the weekend. I'll never not forget that her boyfriend. This was like in the mid '90s. That her boyfriend, now husband of twenty plus years, put on a mixtape for her that she brought home from college. Push the little daisies by Ween. Huh. And like <laughs> I, they, I am, they are just so intrinsically linked. Like it's like, oh Keith, push the little daisies, and like introduced <laughs> me to a whole like weird like that weird sense of music mm-hmm. and it's so funny when like things just happen randomly accidentally and they just hit at the right time in the right space and you know they all kind of um meld together to kind of fix your world ah that's so cool that's so cool. i think for other people i envy other people for whom music is even more important than myself and then other things like food food is amazing why don't I care about it? I just don't care. It's just like if it's mm. warm, if it's Taco Bell, if it's from a <laughs> we know we know vending. if it's Taco Bell, Jeff. I <laughs> yeah, can't wait to have a party and have you bring saying. over a box of twelve tacos again. That's when we know that the pandemic is over. When Jeff <laughs> shows up to a party with a twelve pack of tacos and then leaves after fifteen That's minutes. Funny. That is a passage in in the New Bible, and then they knew that the, the pestilence had. had disseminated the crave case uh was delivered <laughs> and then the interloper had vanished i but then um like i think some people feel it that the, the people who do play one at their weddings they love it too it just they just don't scrutinize it as much as i think other people do and i'm i, I was like when i was drinking i was like that was wine hey pass the wine do you want red wine or white wine yeah sure it, I'll take it. You want a Merlot? Do you want a Chardonnay? Yeah. What are you What are you looking at here? Cat? I said oh, red. the one that's open. Yeah, you yeah. heard me say wine, right? Here, <laughs> top off this glass. That's YooHoo. That's YooHoo milk water drink. Okay, put some wine in it. Uh, I think it's good that it's important. I, I envy those people that have that have such a rich they, because you get so much from it. I think you have such a discerning palate. From it. Okay, Jeff's um, Jeff's third uh, choice. Um, September. Speaking of uh, mixtapes, September Girls, uh, by you know um, Big Star. And how many of us have put that on a mixtape or something like that? And how pissed was I when a large entertainment company should be named nameless? That's that's name rhymes with Schmicky Schnells, Schnizny. <laughs> put a cover of September Girls in some show called Star Girl that was like another manic pixie dream girl story that they put on Disney Channel or streaming or something like that. It's like, no! Like, like uh, the Ramones, they didn't die in obscurity, but they didn't die wealthy. And there's so many people making so much money on these people. Like yeah. Alex Chilton didn't die wealthy. So don't, don't take his music and like you don't at least not that one. Like don't don't take those things. You can take out in the streets and make it the 70 show. show yeah. Song, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and and the thing is, you know that 
director or producer or whoever got that song in the in the show is thinking to themselves i did a great thing yeah i'm exposing this new generation of kids to september girls and what a great song it is maybe that is a good thing i don't know yeah yeah like john john mayer may have led a thousand people to bb king you know or, or something like that or well, no that's not a, that's still not a good enough excuse still not for john good. mayer no okay all right um but yeah maybe that does leave breadcrumbs that takes somebody to to a to a place um where they might enjoy maybe a less uh watered down version of of the stuff but uh yeah so that's so there's that okay and uh richard no wait yeah yeah you're fine yes my final choice um i went back and forth on this one uh this one i kind of like with with michael i'm kind of bending the rules a little bit within terms of songs that change your life um certainly this is a song that i have a deep connection to and i i I think through this song i helped help me forge a connection with with a group of people uh the song is deadbeat club by the b52s oh fun okay and I had a certain group of friends in high school, different than the drummer friends, who were kind of on the outside. They were not the cool kids. And I loved hanging out with them. And we would go ha- hang out. We found a the back entrance to Burris Park, which is this big out the like rural park out near Kingsburg where I grew up. And there was a obviously at night they close up the park. But we found that if you go, there's like a side road that would take you and you could get to like the the back entrance that's no longer used. And it was totally empty. And you had basically this whole wooded nighttime place all to yourself. And it was just just so many memories of just kind of hanging out, talking about life, big picture stuff, you know, talking about religion, talking about our families and just everything else. And this song is a song that we would all kind of, I remember us, I remember us singing on more than one occasion because it just felt like it was, yeah, they're talking about us. I think everyone, if you grew up around this time, at some point thought, yeah, this song is kind of about me and my friend group. And so that's why I chose it. That's super cool. I feel like, like that, uh, um, B-52s have a couple songs about like outsider weirdos getting together in a love shack or a, um, something right. at, at a strange beach. <laughs> right, <laughs> where there's strange animals in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I also love, I, I do love this song just because Fred Schneider has nothing to do in the song. Uh, like it was clearly written without him. <laughs> and then they realized, oh shit, we already did Rome and that doesn't have any Fred Schneider. Uh-huh. I bet Fred's going to get pissed if we have another song where he doesn't do anything. Yeah, just let him shout Deadbeat Club every once in a Dead while. Deadbeat Club. Deadbeat Club. <laughs> so I appreciate I appreciate that as, as in terms of the song. But no, I it, it, it really captured, even though the song itself is about a slightly older version of a friend group, I, you know, they're probably more in college mm-hmm. looking back at that. Um, it was still something that connected with me in a very visceral level. Right on. All right. Okay, my last entry, The Crane Wife. I think it's number three. That's the first one on the album. And uh, holy shit, I was jog- jogging at night trying to be not fat. And and it, it I think I'd, an ACDC song or some loud song I played before this. And then this little song comes on and um it just really <laughs> was that the second wasn't there one that's kind of like the sequel like the the evil side like there's there's the there's always an evil side meeting. of the December song yeah. <laughs> well anyway yeah uh, and um it was just uh, uh just a kind of about toxic male selfishness and and i think that wasn't too long before i quit drinking oh, talk about toxic male uh, selfishness go check out um the rake song oh yeah from um god whatever that their kind of conceptual like big broadway type album is okay i remember playing that song for um i was driving, driving down with emily and 
um, our friend Ashley Lovesmith to um, to Disneyland and uh-huh. played their rake song. And it's all about like uh, this guy whose wife dies and he murders his children because he just wants to go back to being a bachelor. And they're like, uh, we don't want to listen to this anymore. It's like, <laughs> are you sure? It's kind of, it's, it's kind of a banger, but okay. I get it. You know, you don't want to hear about like dra- drowning your baby in the bath or yeah. whatever. That's fine. I feel like, like, December songs are ripped from the headlines of a newspaper in a depressed mining town in <laughs> 1842 or something. It would be it would be like a, a, a depressed um, like the ocean is dried up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But go ahead. Sorry, I've hijacked your um, hazards your story. of love. The hazards of yes. love. Yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, yeah. Um, no, but it ain't about me. It's about you guys and me judging you. No, guys. no, no. What, what happened? You were listening to ACDC and then... Um... Oh, it just came... A song came out yeah. of nowhere. For, for me, songs that I don't mm-hmm. have any plan on listening to, they just kind of come out of left field somehow, um, tend to... I have no preconceived notions about them. They kind of cut around any kind of judgment I might have. Sometimes there are songs in a genre that I wouldn't probably listen to. And uh, they... I think sometimes they tap into something that I need to know at that moment. And that spurs a recalibration on my part and maybe a change in direction in my life. So um, that was one, I, I think of like the, the evil that men do, <laughs> and the selfishness that one can have within a relationship when they presume that the person who loves them will just kind of keep loving them, whether they do anything to maintain that uh, or earn that um, affection. So that was something that kind of, it was a, a cautionary tale for me. And I think, I think it was not, you know, I think, I think around then I had started to, I was taking a year off to train, train for this half marathon. <laughs> like I only, I would take a year. No, I was going to take a year from drinking um, as I was uh, going to be married in, this was Dece- December and in September, no, October, I was going to be married. And I thought, I'm going to not drink until then um, because it's healthier that way. And to prove myself that I, I can do it. And then as the fog of alcohol and the habit of, of indulgence lifted, I kind of realized, nope, this is a permanent thing. This needs to be a, a for realsies permanent thing because I have a problem and I'm not doing this whole alcohol thing right. So that song was a component of that. So it was... Uh, yeah that was what two, you guys were married in 2007 or 2008 2008 are, are i you... remember walk i remember walking through um the kickball uh uh the it was like the flamingo yeah. hotel and you were you were walking the other and i was like oh jeff i didn't know oh, yeah. you're here for for um waka's big um kickball extravagance and you're like i'm not i'm here to get married it was like yeah oh, well this is really this weekend that's Wow, that's interesting choice. Yeah, (laughs) that was a funny thing because, as much as the I had been a year away from booze at the time, there was a person who still was very enchanted by, oh, there's a bunch of people in matching uniforms, all playing the same flip cup game and (laughs) drinking copious amounts of alcohol. That's still kind of attractive to me, Um, and so that was when I saw you literally like the life I still kind of had a taste for <laughs> in my future yeah, life. Kind did of the right thing. Walking and kind of doing the, uh, the meme from the Umbrella Academy where I'm looking at you, you're looking at me kind of as we pass by each other. Uh, so let's go with some judging. Let's go with um, Starry Starry Night. Everybody wants to rule the world. September Girls and the Korean Wife. Wait a I'm just fucking with he, he can do, listen. Listen, you're, yeah, your choice. Do you, want to hear, do you want to hear the point breakdown for Jeff this season? Zero. I got zero points. You've given yourself, you never give yourself points. Last year, let's see, the number of points you gave yourself was zero. Okay. If you want to, this is if marking you want to give a change. Yourself, if you want to give yourself 10 points, this is a marking a change. You know what? I'm going to give, I'm going to give um, uh, September Girls, I'll give that one. And then I'm going to give, um, um, the crane wife one, um, and then mm-hmm. Devo satisfaction and mm-hmm. um, neighborhood number three. Arcade. Right. 
All right. All right. Good on uh, you, Jeffrey. Good on me. Jeff, you're the big winner tonight. Congratulations. <laughs> I guess. Whatever. <laughs> this has been the Mount Rushmore podcast, Songs That <clears throat> Changed Your Pants. Uh, my name is always Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael.